Good morning, members and guests. Welcome to the committee meeting on the Portfolio Committee of Higher Education, Science and Technology. Um, let me start by saying that the chair is not here today. He will be attending the joint meeting with the Basic Education Committee this morning. He will be representing the committee there. Um, so that leaves us to um, elect the chairperson for this meeting. Okay, so we are a quorum this morning. I see we've got six members present. Um, so we can elect the chair. So can I call for uh, nominations from the floor? Our hands are raised, Janas. I can't Good see the hand. Sorry, I can't see the hand. Okay, I've raised the hand, and Honorable Mananiso also has raised her hand. Okay, you can go ahead, sir. Thank you very much, Janas. Um, uh, I would like to nominate Honorable Mukachwa to be the standing chair. Thanks. Okay, Honourable Mkachwa has been nominated. Can we get a seconder for that? Thank you, Shamas. I'm Honourable Mananeso. I'm here with a second, the nomination. Thank you. Thank you. The nomination has been seconded. Any further nominations? Okay, I don't see any further hands. So can I declare that um, Honorable Mkatwa has been nominated to chair this session for us and that um, um, that she be the chair of this meeting. I hand over to you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, um, Shanaz, and good morning to all honorable members and to colleagues on the platform. Um, this morning we have a presentation by, okay, well, perhaps firstly we should go through the apologies. Shanaz, can you take us through the apologies this morning, please? Okay, yes, Chairperson. So we have an apology from the Chairperson, obviously, and then we have an apology from the Deputy Minister, and then we have an apology from the DG of the DSI, um, who's attending to another matter. And then he's represented here by two DDGs, but the one that's leading the delegation will be um, um, DG, DDG um, Dan Dutoy. Then from the member side, we have an apology from the EFF, Mr. Tambo. Then we have an apology from the DA, um, Dr. Lotri, and also Ms. Makesi. Um, those are the apologies that I have, that have been sent to me. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, yes, ma'am. Um, yes, Honorable King. Um, Chairperson, um, I'm also apologizing. I might have to leave a bit earlier by half past 10. Um, I'm being um, evaluated for my performance at 11. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable King. Um, I think those are all the apologies we then have. Thank you so much. Um, Shanaz, um, again, good morning to honorable members and colleagues. I think this morning's, um, actually, no, I, don't, I don't think, it's without a doubt that um, the briefing that we're getting this morning from the Human Sciences Research Council 
which falls under the Department of Science and Innovation, is very important. Um, the South African National Survey on Health, Life Experiences and Family Relations will be focusing by and large uh, on gender-based violence, on research on gender-based violence. And I think um, we will all attest to the fact that a lot of work has been done in trying to um, address this particular um, scourge on society, which the president has even gone to refer to as the second pandemic that the country is being faced with. And I think it's very important that together as men and women um, and everyone in between, that we find a way to truly resolve um, this matter. Um, so we were looking really forward to the presentation um, that uh, the DSI together with um, the Human Sciences Research Council has for us this morning. So um, DDG Dantatoy, uh, I think I'll hand over to you to introduce yourself as well as the, um, the, the delegation that is with you uh, this morning. Uh, we can hear the sound, Mr. Dudoy. We can't. I know you have unmuted yourself, but we can't hear. Uh, Honourable Member, can you hear me now? Can you yeah. hear you now? Can yes. hear you. Apologies for that. Good morning, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members. It's always a privilege for us at the Department to speak to the committee. And indeed, I would just like to, to repeat uh, the apologies of my Director General. Uh, my name is Don Dutoy. I'm the Deputy Director General responsible for international cooperation and resources. And I've been entrusted with the, the privilege to lead the delegation this morning. I'm joined by my colleague, uh, Deputy Director General Imran Patel, who is responsible for the socioeconomic uh, innovation partnerships uh, portfolio, which specifically looks after the Human Sciences Research Council. And then other senior officials from the department, Ms. Mampe Chaba, who is the chief director looking at Africa multilateral cooperation, uh, Dr. Sagren Moodley, responsible for basic sciences research, Mr. Francois Darfel, looking at development partnerships, and Ms. Mapizzo Mukedi, who is the deputy director responsible for development partnerships. So that, that's the delegation from the Department of Science and Innovation. Uh, we are also joined by three senior researchers, research leaders from the Human Sciences Research Council, uh, Professor Gangelaini Zuma, uh, Professor Heidi van Rooyen, and Dr. Numpe Melelo Zungu. Um, Honorable Chair, uh, if, if, if you agree, I could then say a few brief words and then we would invite the Human Sciences Research Council to deliver the presentation. Thank you, thank you Chair. I can, I can see uh, you, you are not nodding. Chair, I think in your introduction, you, you've really said it all. We, 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 we are all convinced of the critical priority to, the sex, to successfully defeat this terrible scourge, which is gender-based violence, which is plaguing our country. And I think that's, that's the first reason why this presentation this morning is so important for us as a department, because our mission is really to harness science, technology, and innovation to the, address these critical um, societal challenges which our country face, and gender-based violence is, is certainly of the highest importance within that context. But secondly, also as a department, it's our mission to harness science, information, data to inform policy and decision-making. And without preempting the presentation of our colleagues from the Human Sciences Research Council, this, this is really for us a good example of how we seek to, through scientific research, through analysis, uh, enhance policy and decision-making, which will then result in favorable outcomes for society. But thirdly, and this will also be 
clear from the presentation. It's all about partnership. As a department, we, we, we have to work in partnership, and we are very proud that also as a result of this study, there are a number of partnerships, not least with international partners who have contributed funding um, for the study, which, which have been formed. So just that by way of introduction, the key really for us here is to share with the, the, the committee. I should stress very much really the, the planned research program because we had a beginning of the program. This is foreseen to be a 50-month project. We're in month three, uh, but it was very important for us uh, given uh, the strategic importance of the relationship with the committee and your val valuable uh, role in terms of oversight and guidance to already come to the committee at this early stage of the project in order to, 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 to seek your, your guidance and advice. So I will now uh, invite um, Professor uh, Zuma or Professor Van Rooyen. I'm not sure who will go first um, to, to start the presentation. Thank you very much, DDG. Um, could the colleagues from the HSRC please introduce themselves and who their, who their delegation consists of? Sure, good morning. Uh, I'm Heidi van Rooyen from the HSRC and I'm one of the principal investigators on this study. Very uh, pleased and honored to be with you this morning. And I'll be leading the presentation, starting off rather. Umi? Morning. My name is Nompumelelo Zungu. I'm one of the principal investigators in the study. I'm a research director at the HSRC. Thank you. Can't hear you, Zuma. Uh, good morning, honorable members. I'm Professor Kangalani Zuma, a division executive at the Human Sciences Research Council. I'm one of the principal investigators in the study. Thank you. Thank you very much, um, colleagues. Um, Ms. Van Royen, you can then continue. Yes, good morning. Thanks very much. If we can just ask you to share our presentation, I think you might be having the controls on your end. Um, Shanaz, are we able to assist the colleagues or would you prefer to make them co-host? I don't know who... I, I gave them the sharing rights, so they should be able to share. Because okay. I'm recording, so I need the full screen, so I won't be able to share. All right, that's... Uh, Ms. Van Royen, would you be able to share from your side? Um, let me just see if I can do that. Sorry, I wasn't prepared to... Uh, give me a second. Uh... Or any other... Um... Umi, have you got it? Yes, I do. If you can Some just uh, get us going. Give Ms. Zungu sharing rights, please. Can you see the presentation? There we go. Yeah. Yes, yeah, we can. Let me just go back. Sorry. So thanks very much, uh, colleagues. I was relieved when you started to hear that you also have performance reviews and evaluations. I thought it was only something that those of us in science councils had to endure. So, uh, honourable member, I wish you well with your evaluation this morning. I hope you get full marks uh, for your performance. So we're delighted to be able to talk to you this morning about this really important work as both the chair and um, Don Dutoy have, have laid out for us 
Um, it's the work that HSRC, in partnership with various people we'll hear about later, are going to be conducting uh, for the country. And this is the South African National Survey on Health, Life Experiences and Family Relationships. Um, we've introduced ourselves, I'm Professor Van Rooyen, and together with Professor Zuma and Dr. Zungu are the main uh, PIs, uh, lead PIs on the study, and we are ably joined by two of our other colleagues, Professor Hendricks and Dr. Ingrid Lynch, uh, who are co-PIs, and they, we all bring different kinds of experience and expertise in both this broader field of gender-based violence, but also the methodology and the science uh, to be able to do this important work. There are four key uh, areas we'd like to cover in our presentation this morning, and I'm going to kick off by talking a bit about defining gender-based violence and making the case just to remind you as to why this is really important. Excuse me. Um, I'll talk a bit about the overview um, of the survey and our aims and objectives for doing the study. And then Dr. Zungu will come in and talk a bit about our progress report and joined by uh, Professor Zuma to talk a bit about the methodology, which is particularly important in terms of how do we do it and how do we get as inclusive as we would like uh, in addressing this particular problem. Uh, and we'll end off then just acknowledging the funding and partnership, which has really made this important study possible. Thank you. So defining gender-based violence, according to the United Nations, gender-based violence is defined as any act of gender-based violence that results in or is likely to result in the following, physical, sexual, or mental harm or suffering to women, including threats of such acts, coercion or arbitrary deprivation of liberty, whether occurring in public or in private life. So I'll repeat that gender-based violence results in um, or is likely to result in physical, sexual or mental harm or suffering to women, including threats of such acts, coercion or arbitrary deprivation of liberty, whether occurring in public or in private life. And so you can see from this definition, and we all know this, gender-based violence uh, is prevalent, widely prevalent in all forms of daily life, whether that is public or private. Um, Victims of gender-based violence are often women and girls, uh, increasingly marginalized groups, women with disabilities, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered, queer, intersex, um, uh, and gender non-conforming persons. So the issue with gender-based violence is that it is exerted against all of those who are vulnerable, not only women, all of those in that broader category of marginalized and gender non-conforming groups that are vulnerable. Uh, primarily gender-based violence is about power, is about control, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So it's important just to understand something about the context in which uh, gender-based violence occurs. We are often talked about, uh, not to our great pleasure, I'm sure none of you would be pleased about this, but South Africa is often kind of lauded, that's probably not the right word, uh, recognized as the gender-based capital of the world because of the extent of the problem here. It's not something we are proud of, and I think it's that discomfort with this label that has brought us all to this particular point, from the president to yourselves, to ourselves, in saying we have to find a way of tackling this gender-based violence crisis. In trying to understand why it's such a huge problem here in South Africa, I think we have to look back at our past, um, and our past has kind of in many ways primed us for this particular kind of difficulty that we have in South Africa and you'll see this history of institutionalized, uh, institutionalized violence is one of the points on this slide. We live in a culture of violence. Violence, unfortunately, in South Africa is normative. It's become an everyday, easy way for us to resolve all kinds of conflict. Um, 
we have inherited this from our apartheid legacy, which was, I think, violent in the way in which it took land, took possession. So that's something that's inherent in our history and our past. And in this historical past of ours, inequality, poverty, and lack of access to services and, and opportunity, this marginalization of vulnerable populations, uh, militarization of men, they've all been contributory factors in making us, uh, as a country, quite a violent, violent country. We also have exceptionally high levels of alcohol and drug abuse, disintegration of families, and this everyday expression of anger as a way of asserting power, as asserting con con control, leads us to this particular problem uh, in South Africa. Um, in addressing it, um, and there's been much work in the past years in thinking about how do we address it, we recognize that we need a whole of society approach. Pumi is moving me along. I'm taking too long on some of the slides. Thank you, Pumi. This, um, Slides talks about the different forms of gender-based violence. And if you can look at the kind of dark blue boxes from physical aggression or threats of violence on that left and move all the way around, it moves around really with degrees of severity. And you can see whatever the form of violence, whether it's physical aggression, assaults or threats of violence, or femicide, the killing of women, whatever that form is at its root is gender um, inequality at its roots are, are gender norms that kind of shape and privilege men and their needs and their priorities as being much, much more important than that as women, that put men and place men in a position of authority. And often in this position of authorities with women subjugated to much more inferior kinds of roles, power, uh, uh, control, domination is really at the core. And you can see that in all of these different forms of gender-based violence, ultimately end ending in the taking of lives uh, of women and other marginalized groups. So in putting together the study, next slide, please, for me. Um, we were reminded by the extent of this, the av available figures are outdated and it's really the main reason why we are doing the study uh, is to kind of provide a baseline of data that helps us, as Don DeToy was saying in his introduction, helps us begin to figure out what is the appropriate policy and programmatic response. If we can get our handle on national data, on the real extent of this problem, we'll be able to kind of be in a better position to have the evidence to think about policy, programming and intervention. And the slide just really highlights some of these startling data that I think we all, all know. Physical and or sexual intimate partner violence accounts for 25 to 38% um, of adult women in their lifetime. Many women will experience physical and intimate partner violence. You can see some of those statistics on rape and make sense that quite a lot of these stats, even though they might seem quite high, again, 25% in Kauteng province, there actually is quite a lot of underreporting of rape. And again, the uh, statistic around sexual abuse of children um, and femicide. I mean, the slide generally says we have a dire, dire situation in South Africa. The study we are wanting to do is perhaps going to be kind of um, give us an opportunity as a country for the first time to collect national data that allows us to flesh out the true extent of this particular problem. Next slide, please. Here's what we want to do, uh, uh, a national survey and gender-based violence that will measure a couple of things. This definition, as I talked about in the beginning, will really give us a sense of not just the numbers, because uh, I think the numbers in some ways do a strange thing. They kind of either make us numb or they turn us off or they go, oh, that is so terrible and so awful that we, we don't begin to kind of dig beneath the numbers. So, yes, we're going to provide the numbers and a much more hopefully accurate picture of the extent of this in the country. But we also want to dig down to this, the effects of gender-based violence in our country, that emotional, economic, physical effect 
that it has on those marginalized groups, women who are at the receiving end of this, but families and community and our society, because that's where it's felt in all of those layers. We also will document non-partner sexual violence, sexual harassment, and other forms of gender-based violence that are often not included, uh, such as Ukutwala. Next slide, please. Here are, the, here are the specific objectives. Um, the first one is to describe the prevalence and patterns of all forms of gender-based violence among persons across sexual orientations and gender identities in nine South African provinces. And so what's really unique and different about this study is that we will obviously be focusing on women, but we also want to be focusing on other uh, gender and sexual minorities, those other marginalized groups. We've seen an increase in the number of hate crimes, for example, against women who identify as lesbians. So we really want to capture all forms of it for all populations, all of those marginalized populations, including gender uh, and sexual minorities, and as well as women. We want to describe the prevalence and patterns of men's perpetration of all forms of gender-based violence naturally. So to get a sense from men who are often uh, perpetrators of gender-based violence, to get a sense um, of, of that experience from the perspective of men, to determine factors associated with gender-based uh, violence, victimization and perpetration, and it's going to help us, uh, going back to understand what I was saying, these gender norms and attitudes that prevail in our society and that really make this such an intractable and difficult problem to address is to shift gender-based violence. We have to take that whole of society approach, but we have to tackle these norms that privilege and position men and their rights and their needs as way more important than a woman. That's really the root cause. So we want to understand that. We want to understand HIV risk factors, including condom use, multiple a number of sexual partners. And we also want to understand some of these issues around mental health. So we know there's some close associations with mental health, depression, and other kinds of post-traumatic stress disorders among those who are victimized. So that's our first objective. The second one on the next slide really wants us to provide, hope, we hope to provide a measure of the health and economic impacts of gender-based violence amongst, amongst those who are victimized. So looking at that broader impact of gender-based violence, and we want to determine experiences and perpetration of gender-based violence, particularly in this COVID-19 and lockdown period. We know that gender-based violence has kind of soared or increased in this, in, in this period as men and women and marginalized groups have kind of had to live closer with each other in the confines of the home, we've seen an escalation in this. And so we want to get a, a handle on what is the extent of gender-based violence being during this COVID and lockdown period, and to look at how COVID-19 has influenced exposure to and perpetration of gender-based violence within the home and in the community. And that's over to Dr. Zumbu. Over to you, Pumi. Thank you, uh, Prof. von, von Royen. Um, colleagues, I'm going to take you through the plan of implementation, how we see the study unfolding as we implement it. As um, DDG has indicated that uh, officially, based on the funding that we've received from DSI, we are actually on our third month, but we were privileged that we were given um, some seed funding earlier in the, in, in the year, in 2020, um, to be able to do some preliminary work which kicked off in September. And that is the work that was uh, funded by Ford Foundation and enabled us to be able to bring together a protocol that uh, is now ready and we are able now to share it and also present to different stakeholders. So from September, we've been busy with what we call project initialization phase, which is ending now in February. 
From that phase, we will be kicking off with a survey uh, piloting phase where we will test um, the instruments and also how the study will be implemented in the field. We see the main study kicking off in May and we hope to finish our data collection by end of April and have a month which is a buffer zone for us as we know that in December we normally shut down and lose two weeks and sometimes in January too we lose two weeks. So we need to have that buffer zone and also to, to make sure that we are also able to have time for what we call revisits where we go back to the field in areas where we didn't get as much participation to see if we are able to increase the numbers. Once we are done with data collection, we'll immediately start with the process of data cleaning, analysis, and prepare the preliminary report. Once we have the preliminary report, we'll move to the next stage, which is a review of results by expert. It normally takes a month or so where we convene a group of experts on GBV or the topic that you are working on who are going to review the report, be able to give us input, and they also have their own meetings where they meet as a panel and, and, and discuss the, 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 the vigor of science in our reports. Once we are done with that, our plan is that we will spend a lot of time beginning to engage with stakeholders in preparation for the launch. As you know, before the study is launched, one needs to prepare the ground for the receipt of the results and also allow stakeholders to have a response to the results. So we see the results being launched during December 2022, and that will be around the same time that we often observe the 16 days of activism. Once we are done with the launch, our focus will be on this dissemination. The team will be visiting provinces, will be responding to invites, and will also be engaging in um, work around publication and also providing policy briefs and those kinds of engagements. So what have we been busy with since we started? We have had about five workshops that we have completed. Our first workshop uh, focused on conceptualization of the whole study, just looking at what is out there, what has been done and what is missing and what is the lens that has been used predominantly to, start, to study GBV. We then followed that with a methodology workshop, which looked closely at how do we ensure that the marginalized group, that the groups that Professor Van Royen was talking about are included and represented in our study. Then we've had about three workshops that have been looking just at instruments. As you know, GBV, the key to measuring it is in the instruments. If you don't get the instruments right, you are not going to end up with the results that you are looking for that are representative and everybody is willing to accept. Our advisory committee is in place and we have uh, representatives from different sectors, from university, uh, universities, UN agencies, uh, states SA, um, government, and also some of the NGOs that we are working with on, on gender-based violence. 
So far, we've already started with the engagement and engagements, and uh, we are here as one of those engagements. We've had a presentation to the G Generation Equality Forum. Uh, we've also participated in a GB uh, webinar that was organized by uh, GEF, and also we've been invited by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who is one of our funders, to come and kick off the study and present um, what we are planning to do in the field. We are also planning other engagements and among those is to present at the Interministerial Committee on GBV to also engage with com the community and traditional leaders and selected GBV stakeholders as we implement the study. At this point, we have a draft protocol and we have instruments that have been finalized and meetings are ongoing with the um, stakeholders. Recruitment of additional project staff is in place, just to say that we are looking at having 81 data collectors, we're looking at 27 um, supervisors and 27 counselors who will be part of this team that will be going out to collect this data. We've also managed to put together a communication and a dissemination strategy, and we continue engaging with key stakeholders who have reached out to us to indicate that they would be willing to work with our team to disseminate uh, the results. Uh, one of them is a GIZ, and recently we were, we were contacted by um, CCI. The pilot and the main study plan is, has been completed and uh, we plan to pilot the study in Gauteng and I can expand later about why we've chosen Gauteng um, for, uh, for the pilot. The main study, as um, Prof. Van Royen said, will be implemented in nine provinces so throughout the country. We have started with the process of ethical approval and have already had a meeting with experts that is reviewing the methodology that we are proposing, which will be able to capture the marginalized groups, which is what you don't get when you do a pure household survey. Thank you very much. I'll hand over to my colleague, uh, Prof. Zuma, to talk about the methodology. Thank you very much, um, uh, Dr. Zungu. Uh, mine, honorable members, is to take you through uh, the process that uh, we are going to follow in implementing this survey. And uh, also in implementing this survey, uh, it is very important that uh, in our design, as my colleagues, um, uh, uh, Dr. Zungu and Professor Van, uh, uh, Van Royen have indicated, this is a topical issue and an issue that is a, a, you know, a sensitive matter to deal with. So in our design in this survey, we need to make sure that uh, we, we maintain those uh, confidentialities and also we ensure that uh, we do not create any situation whereby a person that is participating in the study actually uh, would be uh, known by a perpetrator that uh, uh, she actually was responding to questions uh, like this that you are interested in. So I'll take you through the process of how we design the survey and also uh, how do we sample people that are going to participate, the steps that we're going to follow in sampling 
uh, participants or the ultimate participants in this survey, ensuring that uh, the marginalized communities are actually well represented uh, in this study as they have already been detailed. Firstly, uh, we are going to use uh, the dwelling frame of South Africa as generated by Statistics South Africa, where we have uh, just over 84,000 small area layers. And these are geographical areas in the country that have a number of households up to about 300 or 350 group of households uh, in that area. So the first step of our sampling, we are going to randomly select uh, 1,096 small area layers out of uh, the national sampling frame. And the distribution of these small area layers will be scattered proportionally all over the country, covering all nine provinces of our, of our country. And also in sampling these small area layers, we make sure that you've got um, a proportional representation by different types of uh, geographical areas. So your urban areas, informal areas, rural areas, or the farming communities will be properly represented in the small area layers at that level. The second step of our sampling is that among the small area layers that would have been sampled, we have a list of all the visiting points or what are called the households in those geographical areas. We are then going to systematically randomly select 20 visiting points in each of these small area layers. And now the process of systematically sampling the 20 visiting points will ensure that uh, there is quite a big gap uh, between the first and the second house, the second and the third house, so that uh, we reduce the chances that, uh, for example, a neighbor would have an idea that there were visitors in a particular house uh, asking particular questions. So in doing that, we are doing our best to ensure uh, confidentiality as we know that uh, these are uh, very sensitive uh, measures that we that are uh, looking information related to. Then in each of the sampled household, we will randomly select one person who's going to participate in the study. So only one person that is eligible to participate will be invited to participate uh, in, in this study. And that person would be a person from between ages 18 to 49 years. And you can see there in the map, just as an example, showing uh, how or the boundaries of one of, uh, of uh, the small area layers that you'd be looking at. So in each of these small area layers, we first select the small area layer is selected. The second level, a, a household is sampled, only 20 of them. And then within a household, one person will be selected to participate in this study. Now, to increase participation among marginalized communities, which we have seen in many other surveys, that if we do not implement a focused approach in selecting marginalized communities, they tend not to be represented in general household surveys. So we then are implementing an embedded component in this study whereby we use an approach that is called a respondent-driven sampling that would be used to sample uh, targeted uh, members of these marginalized communities 
How we are going to do this is that uh, in a particular house, where we've identified a person that belongs to a marginalized community, that person would be invited to provide information about another person who is actually a member of LGBTQI or a member of the marginalized or a person living with disabilities. Then the sampling team will go to that particular location to interview the person that would have been selected using a respondent-driven sampling approach, which will then ensure that uh, we've got proper national representation of both uh, uh, people from general household survey, as well as those that were selected uh, among the marginalized communities so that our results are actually representative of the population of, uh, of, of South Africa in that way. And this has been discussed and agreed with uh, 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 you know, the experts as it has been uh, explained earlier on by Dr. Zungu. Now, the recruitment and inclusion criteria uh, is that uh, households, which is a group of people that are living together, uh, eating from the same pot, that is the household that we lose, uh, will be far apart as already have been indicated to ensure confidentiality. Now, who is a person that will be included in this study? It will be individuals that are aged between 18 to 49 years, people who are able and are willing to provide written or informed uh, consent. Also individuals with disabilities who are otherwise able to give verbal uh, or written consent or mark would be invited to participate in the survey. So the survey, the first of its kind, will actually be very comprehensive uh, in covering all corners of the country and being inclusive in that uh, also people who are marginalized communities are actually included, which is always a challenge in general population surveys that these uh, members of our society are, are generally uh, underrepresented in household surveys. If could, thank you, thank you, Dr. Zung. Now, who are our funders to whom we are grateful for the support and also are grateful uh, for the support uh, that we received from our uh, uh, Department of Science and Innovation? So we have also, through Department of Science and Innovation, received funding from the European Union to conduct this study. And as Dr. Zung has indicated, also other funders have generously contributed, that is the Ford Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, as well as uh, United Nations have contributed to, to, to this study. On that note, we, we thank you very much, uh, honorable members, for giving us uh, the opportunity to present this pioneering study that, uh, that we are collectively doing and implementing in the country. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your presentations. Can I just confirm, Ms. Um, Van Royen, that, that that is the end of your presentation? Are there any remarks from your side? Yes, you can confirm that it's we are we are done. Thank you. Okay, DDG Detoy, um, anything from your side before I open up for members to engage? Um, no, no, no further additional comments. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Um, but we would just to emphasize that we would be grateful for, for the advice and the comments of the members. Thank you. Okay. 
Thank you very much. Um, I will now open for members to raise their questions and then I'll come in with a few of my own. Um, and then we will hand back to yourselves to, to, to respond. Can I note hands of members who seek to engage? I think for myself, as I, as I wait for members to engage, some of the concerns that I have is that very often um, the public sector and entities, departments um, um, within the public sector tend to operate in silos and we're all sort of doing the same work. Um, and somehow the work that we're all trying to do is um, not meeting a point of cohesion where we're able to collectively then move forward and finding um, sustainable um, and synchronized um, solutions to the work or to the, you know, the challenge at hand in, in the work that we're doing. Um, so I just wanted to understand if your research um, would take into consideration the plans that government has in addressing gender-based violence, gender inequality, gender inequity, and other various disparities related um, to how people identify themselves. Um, and whether or not um, it will also look into the nine-point plan that President Ramaphosa has spoken to in terms of addressing um, gender-based violence. Um, will you be, I mean, for example, we've had efforts under the presidency, um, like the Gender Review Committee, um, will you be, you know, uh, looking into the work that they have been doing and how it can influence the work that you're doing? When you look at the department, the ministry in which this department falls under, which is the Ministry of Higher Education, Science and Technology or Science and Innovation, the Department of um, Higher Education and Training um, does have a task team in itself that has looked into gender-based violence in the higher education space. Will you be reaching out to them to, to, to influence the research you'll be doing? Um, and I mean, you know, I think um, with this department falling part and parcel of, um, of the Ministry of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, um, you know, the issue around um, gender-based violence and how it manifests itself in microcosms of society, such as institutions of high learning, is of great concern. One would assume, I mean, generally one should be safe anywhere in the country, but spaces of, of academia and spaces of learning are equally spaces where one should, gen should genuinely feel free. And I mean, it's very saddening to hear that at Entlands um, NET Vet College, which is in, is in Pumalana, um, just now, as young people are trying to gain access to higher education, we've had about three cases that have been uh, um, um, brought forth of, uh, of young women, um, uh, prospective students who have been raped. And that is of great concern. So I think it's very important for, I mean, I'm just now trying to aid um, the work of, of the research units, you know, to say these are collectors that you could be working with and have you considered working with them as well. Um, and also, I guess one would be concerned to, to see whether or not, how intersectional will we be? And I, and I know that um, Ms. Van Royen has alluded to the intersectionality of the work. Um, I think um, Ms. Zoom also, also alluded to it, but I think it will be very important that um, in our compilation of our research teams, um, uh, you've mentioned additional staff that has been had to be recruited, the advisory committee, the expert panel, as we, as we, and, and even as we sample the people that, you know, 
um, the collectives um, who we will be going, uh, you know, into, or there's the spaces we'll be going into to do our research. We, we have to strongly take into consideration intersectionality in terms of the representation of various races, various class, age, gender, and other forms of identity. So, I mean, I think from my side, those are some of the thoughts that I've had thus far. Um, you know, also looking into the funding, um, you know, uh, Mr. Zoom, Mr. Zuma, did allude to, to there being funding, will it be sufficient? The last thing we need, for some weird reason, every time it comes to matters relating to gender, uh, funding runs out and there's no sufficient funding. You know, there are, various, there are various issues when it comes to that. So it'd be very interesting to just get perspective on whether or not there'd be sufficient funding um, in relation to that. But I mean, let me allow for members to engage. I hope I haven't taken too much from the mouths of, of members or from the thoughts of members. So I, I see the hand of Honorable Mananiso is up. Honorable Lizia is up. Those are the two hands I see for now. I'll take other hands um, as we go. Honorable Mananiso. Okay. Uh, thank you, Honorable um, Kashwa. I think on some other part of intersexuality, you have covered me. However, I want to check why did the research uh, include only 18 to 49 people that they would be interviewing on their survey. I just want to recommend that they must just make it up until at least 60, because we know in the societies that we live in that some of the people that are being uh, victims or perpetrators are within those particular ages. So for me, I believe that for this uh, particular research to be inclusive, it would need to include the cohort up until 60. Uh, the other thing is with regards to the time frame, I just want to check if when they did this particular uh, schedule of which one, it's, it's happy that at least they've got time frames and specifics in terms of when are they going to execute what. However, I want to check if they have filtered in how the current status quo of COVID-19 as part and parcel of one of the challenges that might impede to this particular programs to be executed. So I, I want to know where that when they did this particular time frames, they did uh, go at length in terms of taking those risk factors. The, the other thing, uh, Honorable Katra, is with regards to the issue of uh, how they have uh, explained in terms of using stats as a sampling uh, 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 surveys. Uh, because of, I know we've got uh, issues that we've been dealing with where GPV is happening in a workplace. How are they going to accommodate uh, the research in a workplace, not per the uh, enumeration area that it's been done by, by the state's aid? So I, I want to check out, are they going to ensure that even those in a workplace, they are going to, to be sampled when they are at their uh, 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 workplace so that this particular survey becomes relevant and realistic for use. Uh, lastly, uh, 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 Chair, I think we must welcome the inclusive uh, report that speaks on different types of uh, social spaces that we know in our society. And I'm, I'm happy that today this particular research is at least trying to cover everybody, not stereotype in a sense that it, it, it forgets about other people that have uh, accepted themselves to identify themselves as certain uh, uh, um, gen genders. So 
uh, what I want to know as well, lastly, Honorable uh, Mkacha, uh, is with regards to the usage of indigenous language. Uh, is this particular survey going to be conducted in different languages per areas or it's only in English? And therefore, last thing is about the marketing and publicity of what it's been done currently by this particular research. Because of, we have learned uh, through COVID-19 that if researchers and scientists are working together and they are consistently communicating, people, they start believing in them and the report that they bring forth. So I want to check the, lang- the usage of language with regards to everything that will be done or on issues of this particular research. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Manani. So Honorable Itzie. Um, welcome the, the report from the research team and thank the department um, and Imran Patel, I think from the department and all our colleagues who are <coughs> uh, part of this uh, research team. Um, thank you very much for the report. I think um, in the opening, the chair would have mentioned that uh, gender-based violence is a serious a problem in this country. In fact, uh, um, one may be forgiven to think that uh, as far as GBV is concerned, that um, um, South Africa as a country is a, is a crime scene as far as this is concerned. We've got uh, a lot of cases of such. <clears throat> and um, I want to, you know, show my appreciations to the team for taking on this. I think uh, in order for us to defeat it, we need to understand it fully, uh, why it's happening, uh, who are the perpetrators, who are the victims, um, why are the perpetrators doing what they're doing, why are the victims being victims, uh, and all of uh, those things. I think in order for us to defeat it, we need to unpack this animal called GBV. And I think... uh, this study seeks to do exactly that. And I want to thank you, uh, colleagues, for taking on, on such a... It's not an easy task. Uh, you are going to get <clears throat> a lot of people who will not want to participate, those who are victims because of fear of further victimization, those who are perpetrators because, you know, they feel they're entitled, and all of those things. Uh, these things happen everywhere. Uh, it happens in schools. It happens in the workplace, it happens in the townships, it happens in suburbs, it happens, it happens in universities, it happens everywhere. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I, want, I just want the chair to show my appreciation to the team. And I, and I see, I also want to thank them, the dynamic uh, nature of the team. You've got males in it, you've got females in it, you've got uh, uh, people from African descent, you know, We've got, um, you know, all kinds of racial um, um, included the, uh, from different racial groups are included, which is good, um, you know, and I, I trust that uh, um, <clears throat> as they sample this uh, SLA, SL, SALs, um, you know, uh, they will do some smaller general research to check in that area, uh, uh, you know, if they're speaking Africans, 
it will be very difficult to send somebody possibly who's black uh, might not be access might not access those people there they might not agree and i trust that they will do that um, smolanyana research to um, you know study um, this alls sals um, you know um, 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 and get uh, uh, proper information as to who can they send in these areas for us to get the best area so i i trust that they will do so <clears throat> um um i think uh, you you guys would have covered me on um maybe the Mananis would have covered me on uh, why the 18 to um 18 to 49 year a, a group age groups uh, because i believe that um um there are a lot of young girls who are abused, who are below that age, um, who are beaten. You know, sometimes they're even afraid. Because for me, gender-based violence is not only physical. Uh, gender-based violence for me uh, is somebody raping a 15-year-old and uh, telling, giving them 100 rand and telling them that if they tell their mother or their grandmother, they, uh, they are going to kill them. For me, that is... a uh, uh, you know, gender based. So, um, <clears throat> well, I know they do have reasons why they would have chosen the 18 to 49 age group, but I, I feel I want to persuade uh, the team that maybe also broaden it, broaden it a bit, uh, maybe to include younger girls there. Um, <clears throat> I can tell you now, without the research, that uh, as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a man who grew up in the township, uh, in township, gender-based violence, um, um, it's almost an inheritance in a sense that um, <clears throat> when you grow up, you grow up idolizing uh, this staring. I call them starings. Uh, these starings uh, who in the township uh, beat up their women, they are, they are, they, you know, they are feared there. And when, as a young boy, you start idolizing such things. Um, so I believe one of the mechanisms uh, we, 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 we could do, obviously, without the research, and it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's my personal opinion, um, is to educate young, young men, um, you know, not to idolize uh, these stirrings in townships who continue to do such things. Well, I, I'm speaking about townships because that's where I grew up. <clears throat> I'm not sure those who grew up in the suburbs how... Uh, you know, they end up in that thing. So in the townships, a lot of them, you know, they start joining this gangsterism where uh, they are they are taught how to sort of be men. Uh, and by being men is to act in this particular fashion. So some of these things, they think they are becoming men if they are beating up women, if they, you know, they don't listen to their, to their female partners and all of those things. So maybe if we can... Um, also, you know, uh, uh, broaden up uh, the age group, target these ones, ask them, you know, get information from them. Uh, you know, I'm sure even these ones were 20s in, in their 20s, and they will tell you that uh, um, to show that they love this women, they had to beat them, and they learned it uh, when they are 14, when they are 15, uh, you know, in their squad, in their, in their, in their groups of, of men. So I think. You know, I, I'm just trying to 
um, persuade the team, maybe broaden up the scale, the, the 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 scale on the on the age group. I understand the limitation, maybe of budget, the limitation of time, and all of those things. I I I you know I understand those things, but I think maybe also think about it because uh, for me, if we can't uh, get to the bottom of of uh, why do we have such problems, we might not get to the bottom of eradicating. Uh, this, uh, as, as the chair mentioned it at the beginning of this pandemic called GBV. <clears throat> uh, Chairperson, I think uh, uh, we will engage with the report at a later stage because I would have wanted, uh, well, on the, on the presentation, I would have seen that uh, they would have sampled how thing now uh, to look at, uh, um, you know, preliminary results, which suggest that 25% of women in Gauteng have been sexually abused uh, uh, in, in, in the province. <clears throat> um, so my question there would have been, in the sampling, did you maybe look at, at what age group were they uh, first abused? Um, I'm sure you'll, you'll realize, if you did do that, you'll realize that many of them were abused at a young age uh, before they reached 18. Uh, but did you check and, and, which, uh, and what were the mitigating factors? Uh, the outstanding mitigating factors uh, for the abuse was it uh, um, because they were relying on those people? Was it uh, stepfathers? Was it uncles? Uh, who were the perpetrators? Uh, do you have the category of the uh, perpetrators of of such? And in Gauteng, uh, which area uh, was uh, um, you know that came out as the most? Uh, or the epicenter that looked like the epicenter of GBV in the sampling in the 20, 25 uh, uh, in the 25% of women in Gauteng who, who agreed that uh, or who confessed that they have been sexually harassed before. Um, I think uh, that would have been my or those would have been my comments there. But I think uh, <clears throat> it is also important because today. Uh, officially, the metric results were released. I think maybe let me take this opportunity to congratulate the class of 2020, um, you know, who enjoyed All right. something we've never seen before. So, uh, welcome once again. I see we have joining us. Uh, <laughs> I think... Honorable uh, um there was just an interruption there. I have managed to meet the individual. Sorry about that. No, all right. Thank you very much. So I just wanted to thank, uh, congratulate my true clients who wrote in 2020. Uh, the results came out today. Uh, not bad, uh, uh, you know, despite the fact that we had uh, COVID-19, which interrupted majority of uh, teaching and learning there. <clears throat> Welcome those who will be coming into our sector. <clears throat> the higher education space. Um, it's, no, it's not going to be easy because majority of them, you know, uh, enjoyed uh, the better part of uh, their final year, uh, you know, on their own, having had to learn and, uh, through distance learning and all of that. I want to welcome them officially now into the space of higher education. They are now young adults. Uh, but also want to wish those who have started on the 15th of February, the metric class of 2021. It looks like 2021 will also be a challenge. Uh, officially, the 
official uh, uh, number of teaching and learning was 200 for 2021, 200 days. Uh, we hope they make the best of it. Uh, it's not an, it's not easy uh, to be uh, in metric. Uh, it might decide uh, whether they go on to become successful people like uh, this team of researchers uh, or they, they, they go on to become uh, something else, which we hope that they will they will look at this team of researchers who went through the same period they are going through, who went through the same stages they are currently going through to become who they are now. Some of them are doctors, uh, professors. Uh, some of them, you know, have got masters and want to um, encourage, want, want them to learn from this team of esteemed learners uh, or, or, or esteemed uh, personals we have here. And uh, I also want to uh, ask you uh, in your spare time, please go to visit these high schools, encourage these learners, um, inform them of challenges they are going to encounter. Uh, maybe if we can do that as we go and speak to them, uh, uh, encouraging them to pass metric, let's also teach them about uh, gender-based violence. In our spare time, we do that, uh, at least ourselves, with every Mondays now. We used to do it Mondays and Fridays. On our in our constituencies, but because of the vastness of of our of our portfolio, we no longer go on on Fridays because we ha- we hold uh, this kind of meetings here. Uh, but on Mondays we do go to schools, try to encourage these learners, try to speak to them about different social economic issues, including GBV. So I would like to extend uh, that thing to yourselves. Uh, um, uh, colleagues that maybe let's also do that. Uh, maybe let's make a, a Monday an education day. Let's go to uh, different constituencies. Let's speak to those principals, arrange, let's go speak to these learners. I can guarantee you uh, it will go a long, a long way in changing their mindset, in changing the mindset of these young people. Thank you very much. Uh, we've been, and, and apologies for taking too long. Um, thank you very much, Honorable Litsie. Um, Honorable King, Honorable Boshoff, are you fine? I don't see your hands up, but I do see you on the platform. Okay, um, I will assume that Honorable King and Honorable Boshoff are okay. They've been covered by other members. I think some of the other clarities that I would have liked to have had um, is in relation to whether or not the um, the work that we're doing with this with this survey um, is part and parcel of the gender-based violence and femicide national strategic plan and whether or not there's engagement between the DSI, the HRSRC, and that particular initiative of government. Um, and then would it be correct to state that the current survey presented by the HSRC feeds into pillar six, um, which is research and information management of the gender-based violence and femicide national strategic plan? Um, and then what additional support will the HSRC be contributing across the six pillars outlined to the five-year outcomes of the gender-based violence and femicide national strategic plan? Um, another um, question that I had was whether or not the department um, can, and this is to the department, whether or not there's there are other entities within the department that are doing similar work on gender-based violence or gender inequality or on intersectionality, um, gender disparities, any work that is similar to the work that's being done by the HSRC and whether or not you're able to, you know, 
um, allow the various entities to, to, to collaborate and, and cross-reference the various findings that they are uh, um, finding. And um, can we confirm that um, once we've engaged with the various individuals in the sample, uh, samples that we'll be looking into, that those individuals will receive psychosocial support post those engagements? And then in relation to um, the foreign uh, um, you know, donors or international donors, um, can we confirm that the interests of the sovereignty of our state will be protected and will not be compromised? I mean, we welcome international funding, but you know, um, our interests as a country also need to be protected. Um, and then, you know, noting the timeframes of, of, of the survey, and I understand that, you know, when it comes to research, um, you need sufficient time to be able to do thorough work. Um, so as far as I know, I think we, we're trying to um, launch or, or share with the public um, our findings, our final findings by August the 9th, uh, 2022. But noting the urgency of us addressing this crisis as a country, you know, many individuals may feel as though, uh, what are we doing in the interim? Um, and how how do we then, is it possible to use some of the interim findings and results to sort of um, troubleshoot some of the issues that may be coming up, you know, as we're going so that um, we're proactive? Um, this is the kind of challenge that our country is facing that we wish we could fix now. You know, we wish we didn't have to. And I understand in terms of really addressing the matter at its roots and at the cause of it all, you know, we need to do thorough work. But this is this is the kind of matter that South Africans would want the Department of Police, would want, you know, all departments of government um, to be able to address. And, and, and I think it's not a gov government issue only. This is the type of matter women... Yeah, it's women, not women, the time that the centers. Um, Miss Miss Chaba, I, I think it's Miss Chaba. Miss Chaba, I think you're in two meetings at this point in time. D, uh, DDG Detoy, I think Ms. Chabas on your delegation, please do indicate to her that she, I think she's in two meetings and I think that's the reality of many of us right now. We're all um, sort of uh, multitasking, but please do intervene in, in, in speaking to her that um, she is uh, disturbing our meeting and if it, if it persists, we will have to remove her from, from the meeting because it, it is disruptive to the meeting. But as I was saying, um, you know, this this matter, the kind of matter that we would 